Check Organize Chaos, an ESPN podcast hosted by former NFL coach Rex Ryan and his former Jets and Ravens linebacker Bart Scott. The duo will be reunited in this weekly podcast with new episodes every Monday that will provide listeners with expert insight and analysis on everything happening around the league featuring trending stories from on and off the field. That's Organized Chaos. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome in the latest Daily Wager Extra podcast. We are taping this on Sunday night. Also known as the Sentimental Return Night. Of course, we're all talking about Antonio Brown's return to Foxborough. Also, Andy Reid's return to Philadelphia. And oh, by the way, Tom Brady's as well. I'm Doug Kazarian, joined again this Sunday night with Mackenzie Kramer, who's rocking the Jets jersey on the Zoom. Wow. Bold. Bold strategy, Cotton. Well, it's the first time the Jets actually won a game that I wanted them to win in nearly two years, so I'm not used to actually being happy on an NFL Sunday, but I had my best betting week of the year. The Jets Ooh. won. I thought you were talking about Randy Bullock's return to uh, to MetLife <laughs> Stadium to face the Jets and miss a field goal in overtime, but uh, yeah, I guess Tom Brady came back too. There were so many <laughs> stupid subplot references we could make in a day and age in sports where we do see player movement more than we ever have, but yes. Epic game just finished up as we are taping this, and I'll tell you what, man. This morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. local time, we had Sal Pal on the show talking about how he didn't say it. He said it goes, I don't know the game plan per se, but typically with weather like this, Belichick's going to want to dare Tampa to run. He, he had a roster move where there was an extra corner, so they're going to see a lot of nickels and dimes. And it was just going to be kind of a grinded out game. So I ended up, you know, just before kickoff, needed some action. I went with the under. I was already on a bunch of teasers. But, <laughs> excuse me, it played out perfectly, as I would imagine Belichick wanted. Just the uh, doink off the upright was not what he envisioned. Yeah, I feel like I was the only person in the gambling world who didn't actually have money on this game. Uh, Caesars released a statement about 20 minutes before game time that the handle on this game was more than triple any other game they had this season other than the opening Thursday night, which obviously you have all year to prepare for that game. So it makes sense that that might be number one. I didn't get the final numbers if this was the most heavily bet on game all year. But uh, to your point about Tom Brady and the under, I mean, Brady... 51% completion percentage is worse with the Bucks. A third of his passes were off target, his worst with Tampa Bay, and he didn't throw a touchdown pass, though. Antonio Brown probably should have caught that one in the back of the end zone toward the end of the game. Brady's now 28-18 and 18 when he doesn't throw a touchdown pass, which is kind of crazy that he's that Brady still has a winning record when it comes down to that. But, uh, yeah, that, un, that under hit pretty easily for you. It did. It was a really nice job. Uh, that's that's the beauty in where this business, uh, this industry could be heading for, just using what we know from – the sports kind of landscape, the the, the media, the media um, reporters, just knowing what they know, no inside information or anything, but just they've been so immersed in the space, they can apply their knowledge. And I thought it was a really interesting nugget that Uncle Sal relayed to our audience. So really good content there. But Mackenzie, I know you tweeted about this. You were surprised, and as was I, but it was about six one way, half dozen the other in my world, in my opinion. But I certainly understand you're questioning why the Patriots kicked that bomb of a field goal instead of going for it and trying to take more time off the clock and also, you know, for a more, more makeable field goal. Yeah, there's a lot of different analytical models that took a look at uh, the Patriots' decision there. So basically, fourth and three, they took a 56-yard field goal in the rain with 55 seconds left. I think you got to go for that personally because – 
the upside of making that kick is Tom Brady gets the ball back with 45 seconds left and two timeouts needing a field goal to win. I would rather take the chance, try to get those three yards, those five yards, make the kick a little bit easier for Nick Folk, who barely had the leg to even make it from 56, as we saw. And uh, I don't know. I, I think you have to go for it there. Our win probability model, model thought it was the right decision to kick it. I saw some other uh, win probability models, including NFL Next Gen stats, said that they should have gone for it. So it was a pretty borderline decision, but I always look at it as kind of the feeling test. Like I was rooting for, I, uh, I had a little, actually, I did have a teaser on Tampa Bay, now I think about it. But so I was rooting for Tampa Bay in that game. So I wanted them to win. And as somebody rooting for Tampa Bay, I was hoping that they would kick the field goal because I wanted Brady to get the ball back or have full kick, miss the kick right there. So as, as somebody two ways who, to win, so to speak, if you're exactly. Yeah, I will say this. You mentioned that Antonio Brown's drop, whatever you want to call it, two potential chances. One was losing the ball in the lights and the other one was a pseudo drop. We were all deprived of perhaps the greatest two-point conversion in gambling history with serious ATS drama because if the Patriots score down one, they go up five, right? And then the two-point conversion, the spread all week was six and a half, seven. So, it, and then you mentioned the handle. All these uh, all these books needed the Pats plus seven or plus six and a half for their lungs. So it would have been certainly a super dramatic ending, but we weren't able to get that. We just got the field goal. So they just had to sweat a little bit on the pick six. Maybe the Devin White one. That would have been crazy if he had a, a linebacker pick six from like the 10. But well, the funny thing, the funny thing about that line too is that we talked all week on Daily Wager. We had quotes from people at Caesars. They thought the line might move to seven and a half, but it actually moved back down to six and a half because it looked like on game day and the day before, a lot of big money started coming in on, on New England. In fact, the final spread splits, 93% of the tickets were on the Bucks, so everybody was on Tampa Bay, but only 61% of the money. I know they took a $500,000 bet in the Patriots plus seven. So a lot of the big money bets came in closer to game time on the Patriots. So it wasn't quite as one-sided as it looked like it would be early in the week. Like I said, that line closed six and a half, even though it was seven for a lot of the week. But uh, yeah, that would that would have been a two-point conversion to swing many, many, many uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh, pick them leagues, everything. I mean, just so much because it's the culmination, the parlays, the uh, obviously the, the two-point conversion wouldn't have impacted teasers and money line parlays, but still it's just huge stuff. And then obviously Patriots would have had a chance to go back and maybe force overtime or go for two themselves, which would have affected so much. So nonetheless, we got an exciting game. It was great. I just could have done without the Steve Belichick cutaways on my big screen in HD did not need the full mullet, the tongue waggling, wagging and all that. That was, we got some good little gifts much. out of it though. Yeah. That's some yeah. good gifts and, out of it. But I, I applaud NBC for calling the audible after they did it enough in like the third quarter. And they said, all right, enough's enough. Let's move on. Uh, why don't you and I move on as well? There were a lot of crazy endings. I mean, just, I mean, it's an NFL Sunday. I think the one thing is the teasers did deliver, right? And in the past few weeks, we, we haven't really needed sort of the teasers, the point spread. It, it's a ridiculously high percentage. And if you have it, please let me know. But the team that wins the game has been covering, right? It's been a, it's been a very few and far between teams that won but did not cover obviously we're only talking about favorites because if the underdog wins right they're automatically covering but there's only been a few that that won but didn't cover inside the number right like that's the big uh you know why use teasers and all that so that that's that was that's been interesting and we saw a few cases of that um you know thursday night case in point right the Bengals won but did not cover but chiefs covered the popular teasers got there and the Patriots did not, excuse me, the Bucks did not. They, they needed the teaser 
the reducing, but the Packers got there. That was a popular teaser as well. Uh, Seahawks, some people you know tease that up as well. Um, but that's about it. But your Jets, your Jets get the outright. That was you know that was a little bit of a survivor shakeup. Yeah, that was uh, an ESPN eliminator challenge. Twenty four percent of the people had uh, Tennessee, so it was the second most popular pick on uh, Survivor, which. I personally didn't agree with. Now, yes, I am a Jets fan, so maybe there's a little bit of bias involved, but I don't like Tennessee laying points on the road there because without That's Julio silly. Jones and A.J. Brown, to me, the the Jets could have just loaded up and tried to stop Derrick Henry. Now, that's easier said than done, but they don't have to rely on the passing game, which is what helps open up the run game for Tennessee. And the other thing with Tennessee is when you play in that division, which is clearly the worst in football, they have two games against the Texans. They have two games against the Jaguars. There's no reason to use the Titans on the, on the road, especially when you have the biggest favorite all season in Buffalo, which we'll get to in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a dicey week for teasers. Out of the four most popular picks, the Titans lost outright. The Saints lost Saints. outright. They were one of the teams that I put, put put in my article, so I dodged the bullet with the Titans, but the Saints did get me for once. So that's my first loss in my eliminator column. But those were two of the four most popular picks. And the Bengals almost lost on Thursday night. The only team out of the most popular picks this week to win was Buffalo, which looked like a free square on paper. And that's how it turned, ended up being for Buffalo this week. No, it really was. 40-0, to zero, just a complete beatdown, a little warm-up before the Bills go to Arrowhead and play the Kansas City Chiefs in what could be a huge game for down the road in terms of playoff seeding. Buffalo certainly looks like they've taken a step forward this season. But they did lose the Steelers at home, so we're not really sure. They've just beaten up on bad teams the last couple of weeks. I guess um, before we get into a few uh, fun facts ATS-wise, who do you think has improved their power rating the most this week? I think the Cowboys um, really kind of starting to shine. I, not many people believed in their defense, including myself, even after playing pretty impressively for a couple of weeks. I was like, eh, shelf life on this, circumstantial, right? The, the Chargers scored two touchdowns that were – nullified by penalties so that score is a little misleading but i think the cowboys might be legit i might my, my under nine and a half is on uh life support here although they do have a tough road schedule that was the one that got me sort of on that under they have six really tough games uh outside the division uh, on the road and you know one of them they got the win that was in la against the chargers but in general i think the cowboys look pretty polished yeah, you mentioned the Cowboys. I don't I don't know if they're the team that's going to increase the most this week just because they're favored by, you know, four and a half-ish. They won by eight. But, uh, you know, Dallas, they're the only team that's 4-0 against the spread this year. And last year, if you remember Dallas at the start of the year, Dallas last year, they started 0-8 against the spread <laughs> to start last year. So a big difference between the start for the Cowboys this year and last year. But to your question, I think the team that probably improves their power rating the most is the Cardinals. Cardinals going yeah, that the was the other team. Well, Blowing out the Rams on the road. I mean, Kyler Murray, his MVP uh, case takes another uh, step forward this week. 268 yards, two touchdowns through the air, 39 rushing yards. Big road run there, and they're 4-0. And right now, we are guaranteed to have either the Cardinals or the Raiders be the last undefeated team in the NFL this year. And I don't know if you know what their odds were entering the year to be the last undefeated team, but I'll tell you them right now. The Cardinals were 50-1. to and the Raiders were 100-1. to one. So a long shot this year is going to be the, the last undefeated team. It's pretty nuts that the Raiders were, well, what did they need? They had no timeouts in the opening night, 30, what, seven seconds left or something like that. And they went down the field and kicked that bomb field goal to force overtime. I mean, it's just crazy, uh, let alone down 14 nothing to the Dolphins in their next home game. But the Cardinals, undefeated ATS is what as well, right? They're 4-0. 
Uh, no, the Cardinals, they lost one of their games. They, uh, what was it? The, uh, the Vikings, uh, excuse me. Yeah, the, the Vikings yeah, game. I think the Vikings are a favorite they didn't cover, but they are 4 0 outright, but they're 3 and 1 against the spread this year. No, look, I, I wrote, you know, I, I do a futures column every Tuesday morning, so go check it out for those listening on ESPN.com, uh, the chalk section. And I said, look, you might have missed the boat on Kyler Murray. Sure, 25 to 1, there's value. At 6 to 1, there's not. Now it's going to be less than that. I just think it's so correlated to your team success and where you are in the playoff seating. Maybe I'm not buying the Cardinals even now. I don't think they're going to be a one or a two seed, but we've certainly seen outliers. We saw Devontae Smith win the Heisman. We saw Russell Westbrook on a six seed win the NBA MVP. So maybe this is a year, even if the Cardinals don't, you know, finish 13 and four or whatever it is and are like a four or five seed, he can still win MVP because he is so dynamic. So I wouldn't put poo it. I just wouldn't be banking on it right now. Uh, if you're late to the party on those MVP odds, I think you've missed the boat. Kind of wait and see. But they've been certainly impressive. Uh, today's win may have caught the Rams a little flat, but no, they took it to them and they smacked them in the mouth. So well done there. I thought the Washington and Atlanta game was epic ending. Just so exciting on that front. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The Steelers played a little bit harder than I thought, but they still stink. I think they're the worst team in that division. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, their, their record expl- their record is one in three. They're two games back. I mean, the Bengals, everybody thought they'd be the worst team, but the Bengals' defense looks a lot better than it did entering the year, and Joe Burrow's taking a step forward, and Ben Roethlisberger's clearly taking a step backwards. Like, he he just refuses to throw the ball down the field. It's all just check down, check down, check down, and if their defense isn't going to play lights out, it's going to be hard for them to win a lot of games. The Ravens really impressed me. I just doubted how much they'd have in the tank going into Denver, just having these epic finishes, right? The Justin Tucker field goal a week ago, then the home game on Sunday night against the Chiefs. A lot of emotion there. And then the comeback by the Raiders to force overtime and going to OT on the road to open the season on Monday night. I just wasn't sure in the altitude, but Denver scored early to go up 7 nothing, And then the Ravens kind of reached another gear. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater left the game. And then it was uh, lights out for for Denver with Drew Locke, who I think stinks. And But either way, Ravens dominated that game, and Lamar Jackson made some key plays, although his accuracy is still off a little bit. A uh, little reality check for Denver, but Baltimore back in the mix at 3-1. and one. Yeah, their uh, second career 300-yard passing game for uh, Lamar Jackson. I was on Baltimore in that game just because I thought Baltimore was a little bit undervalued after some of their weaker performances, almost losing to Detroit. But I thought they should have blown out Detroit. Like Marquise Brown dropped a couple long passes that would have put that game a lot more out of reach. And I thought Denver was a little bit overvalued because their first three games, they played against three of the worst teams in the NFL. Total and company. while they've been beating those teams, they've been taking on a lot of injuries on both the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. So I don't know if Denver was quite, the te- even though Denver's power rankings increased, I think the injuries kind of canceled some of that out. And we saw that today. And then obviously, like you mentioned, the other injury with Teddy Bridgewater. Now that line, I believe is up for next week. So clearly the odds makers don't think that there's that much of a difference between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. They they play at Pittsburgh next week. That game's a pick 'em right now. Oh, so God, the, fact, the fact that game. that lines up in general kind of tells me that the odds makers don't see a big difference between Bridgewater and Drew Locke. 
Hey, the Chiefs finally got a one win and cover. Uh, so they're now three and twelve in their last fifteen games. ATS, but Patrick Mahomes five touchdowns, three of which went to the Cheetah Tyree Kill. They win by a dozen in Philly. Nice win. They're back home next week, as I mentioned. Get the Bills on Sunday night. Uh, Mahomes has entered the chat on the MVP discussion. Good to see him back in the swing. I almost doubled up on the eight to one, but just couldn't do it. Uh, I have enough at 550, so we have enough of a rooting interest there. What what can you tell us in terms of just a macro sense? You got the Giants outright. You mentioned that game. Browns in a slugfest. Uh, really poor decision, I thought, by Stefanski and some and some play calling down the stretch, but the defense uh, saved him from a lot of critique and ridicule. And uh, that really, we covered him in the glow. Oh, Seahawks, Niners. So Jimmy G gets hurt. Trey Lance obviously has room to grow. Uh, you saw some flashes here and there, some of the speed, but that offense is just kind of herky jerky. I liked Seattle, uh, going into the weekend. I was kind of heavy on them. Uh, it's Niners just like guys aren't open and their defense isn't as dominant as it was two uh, years ago in the Super Bowl run. So it was a big win by the Seahawks who completely were outplayed in the first half, hung around. And then the second half made their move, obviously with the quarterback change as well for San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Shanahan as a favorite has not been good in his career. We like to think of Shanahan as a great coach, and I do think he is a great coach, but his record as an underdog is way better than his record as a favorite. He is 8-19-2 ATS as a favorite and 3-14-2 ATS as a home favorite as the 49ers head coach. So another time they failed to cover as a favorite this week. Failed to even get the win outright. Um, Cardinals and Niners will play each other next week. So that's two of the teams that we just talked about as one increasing their stock, one stock going the other way. Uh, the look ahead line on that was uh, two and a half. That's all the way up to four with the Cardinals favored against uh, Trey Lance because we, we uh, Garoppolo, I, Garoppolo said he's likely going to be out for a couple of weeks. So it looks like Trey Lance will make his first career start in that one. Uh, we've seen and a rookie keep quarterback in mind our betters, Sorry to interrupt, but just our betters. Remember, like when a rookie quarterback or any backup quarterback gets inserted mid-game, the game plan is completely different, especially when you're a different style QB. Much different when at the next week. They'll, he'll be much more comfortable. He'll get all the reps with QB1 and the ones. He'll be much more comfortable. Now, what, what that means, I don't know, but just don't think you're going to see this deer in headlights version that you saw today. And Shanahan even mentioned that after the game. He said that the, the game plan was built for Jimmy Garoppolo, exactly. which you would expect because Garoppolo was supposed to be the quarterback. So with a week to prepare for that game, they should get, get some in some more RPOs, some more quarterback running plays, some more plays that accentuate Trey Lance's uh, strength. So I'm, I'm curious to see how Lance looks. Um, we've seen rookie quarterbacks struggle this year, but uh, you know Mac Jones got the cover on uh, Sunday Night Football. Zach Wilson got the outright win. Justin Fields and the Bears covered. That was another game that we talk about the one-sided action. The uh, Lions were one of the most one-sided. Uh, that was one of the most bi the biggest splits splits of the week. Uh, with and it only that ended up seventy nine percent of the Lions, but for most of the week, like you talk to a lot of odds makers, like some a lot of places couldn't find people to bet on the Bears. Though some big money on the Bears came in uh, closer to game time, and they got the cover there. That was really surprising. Just a random game, and Bears are a public team, and just have the Lions to get all this money in such an ugly non primetime game. It was just pretty funny to see it uh, stand stick out like a sore thumb. Any other big, like last week we talked about the teams that are 0-3 or whatever, 0-2 ATS and getting points at home, all that. Any any other macro stuff that we, we knew going into the weekend, how it all played out? It was pretty much... It, it, 
it was kind of a standard week. I mean, underdogs were seven and eight against the spread this week. So it'll be the first okay. week this season where underdogs do not have a winning week. They're still 37 and 26 on the season. Unders were pretty much 50, 58 and seven right now. The unders were still profitable in the year, 36 and 27. Road teams went nine and six ATS. And the thing with and road teams also, they're 33 and 30 straight up this year. So the home field advantage, we have the fans back, but as we've talked about, it's really not making any difference. It'll be the third straight year road teams have a winning record, uh, or sorry, a record of uh, 500 or better through four weeks. Last year, there are 500. In 2019, they're over 500. Like we hadn't seen a uh, road teams of a winning record through four weeks prior to that since 1983. So this has clearly but been the a change. The playing field has sure. been leveled. I mean, that's what we I wrote about this for Chalk last year when there were no fans. It's like, what's this mean for the point spread, the, the home field adjustment? And we talked about it earlier on the podcast a couple weeks ago, I believe it was, is that travel is more advanced, the communication between quarterback and head coach with the headsets and technology. And it's just not as pronounced as it once was over the years. Like playing on the road is just not as much of a hurdle as it once was. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other thing I was going to bring up too is, you know, we've talked about the the public teams. We brought up the Lions. We brought up Tampa Bay. Neither of them covered. Out of the six teams that had at least 75% of tickets on one side, they went two and four against the spread. The, the Chiefs got the cover. The Packers got the cover. But Tampa Bay, Tennessee, Detroit, and the Saints all failed the cover. And the Saints losing as seven-and-a-half-point favorites. That's the uh, that's the biggest upset of the year so far. So uh, uh, the the Bills, actually, the Bills-Texans line, that closed at 18-and-a-half, which is the most the Bills were favored by since uh, 1992. Um, Jim Kelly, the Kelly the Gun days. Oh yeah, I mean, we and that that line that opened at like over seventeen. It was under seventeen for most of the week, and then all of a sudden it shot up closer to game time. You know, it's funny. This morning I was looking for my best bet, and I was like, you know, because I was I was leaning teaser the whole way, and then I ended up going Daniel Jones over twenty six and a half rushing yards, and it got there by a Ooh. half thanks to an overtime run. Uh, but never doubt. He had twenty four in the first half, so I was I was on my on on my way. But no, I was Daniel looking. Jones. I was like. I was like, to be honest, like the Bills are going to crush him. Like I was like, the Bills are stout defensively enough that they can cover this kind of spread. Like the last year, I think the the Chiefs were favored by around twenty two against the Jets, or was that two years ago? I believe uh, was that. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head. I believe either way, the Jets, like, deep... su- the Jets have been such massive underdogs so many times in the last couple of years that it's <laughs> right. Hard to but keep, like keep track. they covered, but usually you don't want to lay that kind of lumber with a team that's not that solid defensively. But I was telling myself, like, how are they going to go into Buffalo and make this a game? Like, they're not. I mean, the Rams last year with the Jets team that was getting better and finally getting weapons healthy, and then obviously the Jets won outright as a 17.5-point dog. Like, I just felt like that was a golf game. He just stunk. Like, this was like – anyways, I, I'm not surprised to see it was 40 to nothing. This was a really bad, like, situation for Houston. I mean, it's the second they're time awful. in three – it's the second time in three weeks the Bills have won. I mean, they beat the Dolphins 35-0. Now they beat the Texans 40 to nothing. So two shutouts in three games is pretty good for Buffalo. It's the best three-game scoring margin they've ever had. Uh, they actually have the, be- they have the best cover margin in the NFL right now at uh, 13.9 points per game, even though they lost outright as a favorite in week one. So it, They're good. I'm looking really looking forward to uh, la- uh, next week because last postseason – the Bills look like they needed some work to h- kind of hang with the Chiefs. We'll see. We'll see yeah, when, no, uh, what, what transpired. Now, it's at Arrowhead, so obviously there's an advantage, and obviously the Bills are trying to maybe get it at the Ralph. If they get the one seed this year, they have a leg up being 3-1, and one, Chiefs 2-2, two and two, but obviously an outcome next weekend can change things. 
I mean, our football power index already had the Bills as the best team in the NFL even before this week, mm. and their numbers only going to get better after winning forty to nothing and shutting down the Texans the way they did. Uh, the opening, the look ahead line for the Bills Chiefs game that was plus four with uh, the Chiefs favored. It was obviously an arrowhead, but that's come down to three, and I don't think it's. I don't think we're going to see Bills plus four again for the rest of the year. So, yeah, I hope you got that number if you're looking at these look ahead lines. Three um, feels right. Other, three feels right. Yeah, three feels right. I mean, uh, even. <laughs> I mean, we talk about home field advantage not beating anything. Like, if we think home field doesn't mean that much, maybe it even should be two and a half. Maybe. I just feel like the Chiefs are that public of a team. And, I mean, we've seen the pie charts, right, every week. Not that the Bills aren't getting some backing, but the public loves betting on Mahomes and these explosive uh, Chiefs. I, I remember Murray in one of the, like, the first or second year of Mahomes, he goes, yeah, I'm basically going to have to root against Mahomes every weekend for the next 10 years because the public just is – undeterred with this guy i mean early in his career he was a covering machine but like you mentioned earlier three and 12 ats in his last 15 games including the playoffs so lately uh, those lines may have been might be a little bit inflated and maybe we're seeing that with next week's game um one other look ahead line that moved a lot i mentioned the cardinals 49ers the other one is tennessee jacksonville tennessee after losing to the jets Jaguars compete with the Bengals. That was seven and a half on the opening line. That's now down to four. And I, mm. I even saw a three and a half. Like, I think that's a complete overreaction. Now, I mentioned I don't think the Titans are that good, but I think the Jaguars are just a mess right now. After Urban Meyer's comments from last week, I could see Jacksonville, you know, not showing up the way that that Urban Meyer wants them to. And if Tennessee you're worried about the comments Brown, from last week, so that's what you're worried about from last week. And I'm worried about some pictures. But that's just yeah. All that <laughs> that's a whole different topic for another day and probably another show. Well, I'm just saying, like that could affect some things around the you know who knows. Um, what were the comments maybe. that you said? Just calling out and saying, uh, what were the comments? Am I am I forgetting something that was that noteworthy? Just, well, he just seemed like he just seemed he's, absolutely he's demoralized and despondent and yeah. yeah he, you don't normally see coaches act that way after a loss, but he's, he seemed, he seemed really, really down after that game, only four games in his career. And I mean, I, I know you can't put a tweet into uh, urban Myers th- uh, thing, but we already saw the Jaguars basically tweet a stick with us, a, you know, note no. on Twitter a couple weeks ago after, after struggling to start the year. So I think Jacksonville is a mess right now. And I, if you get, if you take any team in the NFL other than Houston and I get I have to only lay three and a half against Jacksonville, I think we're going to take it until I'm proven, I'm proven wrong. Uh, anything for Monday night we need to know. Uh, I'm lean Chargers minus three, but I've also been wrong on like every Raiders game, although I had the Dolphins last week. Anything uh, that sticks out? I mean, the Raiders with the overs have been, you know, basically machines. They moved to Vegas 15 and four to the over since the Lardis started last season, the highest percentage in the NFL. Uh, Chargers five and 15 and one ATS is a home favorite since 2018. So Chargers laying points has usually been a problem. Uh, Derek Carr six and one against the spread on a Monday night football, including week one. Um, so a c- couple little trends there. I like the Raiders when it was three and a hook at, at three. I don't think it's, I don't really have a strong lean there, but at three and a three and a half. I like Las Vegas. I don't think, I mean, we talked about the home home field advantage. Like this is going to be a Raiders home game. There's going to be more, oh, for more sure. Raiders fans and chargers there. So this, yeah, I mean, it's former Raider town, is, right? It's, San Diego was the rival. Absolutely. I think there's more Raiders fans in Los Angeles than uh, Chargers fans. I would so we'll, agree see with that. How, we'll see how Justin Herbert does to try to uh, get more fans on their side. A real quick, uh, quick note in college. Bryce Young, now the sole favorite to win the Heisman, a plus a quarter. Matt Corral only drops to plus 230. Then it's double digits after that. If I told you you could have Bama or Georgia to win it all and I would take the field, would you take it? Oh, man. I got. 
I'm still not sold on Georgia's offense. Uh, Alabama's got a couple questions there, but it's so hard to go against either of those teams. And nobody else is really I standing would. out as that third option. Yeah, I would. I would. Because even a team like Iowa, we've seen these teams make runs and then they don't even score in the college football playoff. The, Georgia and Bama look like a cut above, particularly Georgia. To be honest, I think Georgia's the best team in the country right now. Uh, just defensively, yeah. oh, they're not taking Georgia 10 to one is my biggest regret of the season. I was yeah. looking at that 10 to one number. I almost took it and I opted not to. I mean, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I mean, Michigan, I, I was looking at Michigan's numbers entering last week and I regret not taking them. I mean, I don't think they're going to win the title, but, you know, you could get them a 10 to one to win the Big Ten last week. And, you know, they'll have to beat Ohio State to ha- for that to happen. But, uh, you know, Mi- Michigan's looking a lot better than a lot of people thought. Yeah, I think conference odds, like I grabbed NC State before the Clemson game at 50 to 1 to win the ACC. I'm not taking college football futures. I mean, they got to get there and then win two games as double digit dogs, some of these teams, whether it's Penn State, whether it's Iowa, um, I don't know, Oregon, if the committee looks past some of the maybe the bogus PI, things like that. Even Notre Dame. Notre Dame's 100 to 1 right now. Now, obviously, they lost, but Cincinnati's not going to win two games in the playoff. They're 25 to 1. I'll give someone 50 to 1. They're not winning two games. Uh, but I mean, what's it? What's a rolling parlay? If if you have an open parlay on Cincinnati to win two playoff games, you might even get close to 25 to one. Yeah. And starting it there, not even the rest of the regular season. Right. Um, It's, it's just uh, now, of course, things could break a certain way. Maybe Alabama is the one seed and Georgia is the four seed. If Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game, then you only have to beat one of them as a big dog. And then it's a little different, right? Maybe you catch, I don't know, Ohio state in the semis and that's more beatable for Cincinnati. Uh, just from the eye test through one month of the season. I mean, we're obviously just spit spitballing here, but it's crazy because I've been on some ridiculous tickets. I was on a, I had a Notre Dame ticket last year, and there was nothing I could do besides hope that an in-game, maybe at halftime they're tied or beating Clemson and then play out of it that way. But it's really tough with the uh, you know, four-team playoff now and these long shots and then this huge gap with the uh, two. You know, This year, I, I can't remember a two-horse race like this with Clemson – excuse me uh, – Bama and Georgia, and then a big drop off after that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm sure that's happened recently with some Bama and Clemson times. Ohio State often sneaks in there as the clear third team, but but yeah, I mean, college football pretty much every year you got two or three teams that are clear cut above everybody else, and fading them is always very difficult. Very sad that the Red Sox came back and won because my uh, Blue Jays twenty eight to one to win the pennant is dead. So. Yankees and Red Sox do advance, and they are your wild card teams. Anything we need to know about the baseball playoffs? Let the people know before this week. Yeah, so the Dodgers, uh, last I checked, they were minus 213, which in the MLB wild card game, which I believe goes back to 2012, uh, they would be the second largest favorites in that game behind the Yankees in 2017 against the Twins. Yankees won that game. Dodgers are are, uh, still favored to win it all, even though they're in in a one-off coin flip game. So they are the... uh, Plus 350, I believe, last I checked. So that's the shortest odds for a wild card team entering the playoffs since the, in the wild card era. And they're the third wild card team to be favored to win the World Series entering the playoffs, along with the 04 Red Sox, which were co favorites, and the 07 Yankees. So uh, some interesting things there. I didn't realize two other teams were also. I thought this was a special circumstance. Well, that was also before they had to play the one that the 04 and the 07. That's before the one-off wild card games. That the the coin flip wild card game changes everything when it comes to these odds, though. Clearly, not with this Dodgers team, even though they can't even win their division with the Giants cashing their long tickets, 40 to one entering the year. The Giants to win that division. That's the longest odds by an eventual div- division winner since at least 2008, which is as far back as we have data. And um, they went 32 and a half games over their win total 
Win total 74 and a half, 107 wins. Uh, since the 94-95 strike, the only team that's gotten even 25 games over its win total was the 01 Mariners, which 81 and a half wins. And of course, they won 116 that year. So uh, the, four, the the Giants are one of the the biggest gambling surprises we've seen in uh, recent history in baseball. Well, Scherzer's on the bump. As a Dodger fan, that's all I could have wanted uh, for the pitching to line up that way. I love, love Bueller. Um, obviously, Kershaw's hurt, but Scherzer's the guy I wanted. He's been lights out except for his last two outings, of Coors Field and then the regular season one. But I have confidence in him for sure, and he'll go against Wainwright, who's been you know throwback season for him. So Cardinals red hot coming into the playoffs, and Dodgers will be a fun one. Uh, that's on Wednesday, Yankees and Red Sox on Tuesday. The rest of the Daily Wager crew will have a preview of that Monday and Tuesday when we get right back to our weekday 10-minute podcast. Uh, a couple other quick trends before I get out of here. Uh, the Rams have gone over the total in all four games this year. The Steelers, Patriots, and Broncos have gone under the total in all four games. The Chargers are also 3-0 and to the under, so that clashes with that Raiders trend I mentioned earlier about their games going over. Uh, the Saints, we mentioned earlier them losing outright. The underdog has now won outright in all four Saints games this year, and all four Saints games have been at least 10 points off the closing line, so the odds makers still can't figure out the Saints. We talked about that last week. Uh, the underdogs also won outright in all three Chargers games this year, so that's another trend for tomorrow night's game. And uh, one other thing that interested me, too, is that the, the Dolphins have the worst average cover, cover margin in the NFL this year, and last year they had the second best in the NFL. So we've been backing the Dolphins with Brian Flores uh, after their slow start there, but that seems to be coming to a crashing halt, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or to a, to a Tagovailoa quarterback. So uh, just a couple of notes to go, and uh, thanks for having me on, Doug. Yeah, of course, man. It's fun to break it all down. For you know, it's like analytics, right? Obviously, only three or four games into the season, you're going to have these four and zero and four and four. But it's just interesting, uh, like you said, uh, in relation to the point spread, really fascinating. But yeah, Cowboys undefeated ATS last year started zero and eight. That's my favorite stat from the pod so far. So it was a memorable night. Obviously, unusual circumstance for Brady after two decades with the Patriots to be back in Foxborough on the opposite sideline. Fun, fun gambling night as well we missed the two-point conversion opportunity we still got a lot of other fun ats uh, outcomes and we'll see you back uh, or hear you back here throughout the week 